Romans chapter 2, turn there, and um, we'll see how, how this all develops. There's been the focus that I've been looking at uh, for the last month or so, two months, has been very strong in the area of image, um, what we see. We've talked about walking by faith and not by sight recently. Uh, talked about the washing of water of the word. Um, those things that, that Jesus has, the importance of us um, having that word hidden in our heart. How, according to what we believe, is going to affect what we see. Uh, the circumstances around us, the, the world we walk in. Uh, the more we're rooted and grounded in Christ, the more our faith is in Him and the reality and the truth that's there. That's why knowing the truth sets you free. The more you have that truth inside of you, um, you meditate on it, uh, dwell on it, the, the easier it is to see what really matters. Because the physical world and what we see is not so much the reality of what is around us. It's actually the spiritual world, the, the, the unseen. As a matter of fact, the reality is, is we're just strangers and pilgrims passing through a land looking toward our land. Uh, we're looking toward a city whose builder and maker is God. Uh, oh, thanks. Uh, this world is not um, ours. As a matter of fact, we're in the world, but we are not of the world. We are a separate entity uh, when we are in Christ. And, and it's such an important thing for us to have that, that faith that's, that's there. Um, one of the, the preachers I like to listen to is Joseph Prince, and he talks about how Right believing leads to right living. And, and he focuses on, on faith and, and the grace of God and the mercy of God and, and all those things. And, you know, so often religion tries to give you a set of laws and a set of rules and, and, a, and a bondage and put a yoke on you and put a weight. That's the thing that Jesus had to deal with when he came was the religious leaders and how they rejected him. And... That's what religion does, but the freedom that we have in Christ, that, that he sets us free, it's, it's such a, a light burden. There's still, there's still a yoke he puts on us, there's still a burden, there's still a work that he has for us, but it's so much easier because of the fact that Jesus paid for our righteousness, our holiness, and then by faith and by walking in faith, we're able to have the freedom. And so religion will tell you all these rules, whereas relationship will tell you, man, just know God, love God, be close to God. You know, John shared, what was it, last week or the week before, you know, the important thing, love God with all your heart, love your neighbor as yourself. Man, you get that stuff down. You know, it's really simple. Um, the, the one that's just been ringing, you know, I can't get away from is, you know, do everything without complaining and arguing. <laughs> Be thankful in all circumstances. You know, those, man, it's just, it's pretty simple. Hard to do sometimes, but it's, it's simple what, we, what it is to have that reality. And sometimes, you know, I think we're like, we're like the man that came to the prophet and had leprosy. And he's like, you know, how do I get, get clean? And, and he says, well, just go dip, dip yourself in the river. And he's like, that's it. And his servant's like, hey, if he told you some hard thing, you would have been, oh, yeah, I'll do that. But it's too easy for you. So now, now what are you going to do? You don't want to do it. And sometimes it's that way for us. You know, we'd rather have some, some complicated things so that that's a pride thing because then we can do it. But Christ did all the work. And it's just having that right believing, having that, that faith that, that's so important. And so I've been studying a lot about, about image and, and uh, looking at how, uh, you know, water 
is such a beautiful reflector of uh, it gives you a full color image. If you have a nice clear lake, you know it's dark underneath and the water's really calm, the sun's shining, you look and you'll see a beautiful image of yourself. Or you ever see uh, maybe pictures at night where they have like maybe a lighted bridge or a city near, near water that's really calm and you can see a perfect reflection of the city on the water. Uh, the problem is, is if you try to walk on that reflection, <laughs> you're going to sink in the water. And often sometimes we, we cling to the reflection instead of the reality. And all that we see, all, all of nature, all of, all of the, the physical things around us are all really a reflection of God. Even the law was a reflection. The tabernacle was a reflection. He said it was a shadow even. Just a shadow. And can you imagine a shadow doesn't even have any detail. And yet when they made the tabernacle, he was very specific. This is exactly how you have to do it. We have that beautiful model there. All the different coverings and stuff. And I know those of you that were able to, to be here when that was put together and study on it. It's just amazing. I got the book at home. I kind of stole it for a little while. But I'll bring it back. You guys can look at it if you haven't looked at it. Just, just such powerful, powerful stuff uh, that's in there. in understanding God and so specific, so exact, that all the detail that was that was in it. And actually, maybe even today, we'll talk about this right here. This this little thing right here. This is a little... Anybody know what that is? Oh, it's, a, oh, it's a ladder? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, what did they do? use that for? Uh, to cleanse. Yeah, themselves. they washed themselves. The priests would wash themselves. They'd have water in it. And they would wash their feet and their hands... To, to be clean. And do you know what they made that out of? It's bronze. You know what they made that out of? Hmm? You gotta be loud. No, it's bronze. It's bronze. It's bronze. But you know where you got, they got the bronze? When they left Egypt, the women got a bunch of mirrors from the Egyptians. And they took the mirrors and they pounded that and made that bronze lavender that was, I think that's how you pronounce it. Where they where they washed their feet, the priests would wash their feet and their hands in it. It was made out of bronze and it was made out of mirrors, uh, reflecting an image. And um, uh, there's a message within that that's so powerful. And I think maybe we'll hit on that some today. But uh, it's such a beautiful thing that all the specific things that are in there, and yet it's just a shadow. Can you when you see your shadow, can you see how big your nose is really, or what color your eyes are, or what color clothes? And, it's just a shadow. You kind of get an idea of the shape, but it's not, it's distorted. It's not, and yet this shadow, the tabernacle was so specific for God. So many of the things he did, even the laws and stuff, so specific. And yet that was a shadow. Can you imagine when we see the reality? Oh my, I can't. <laughs> it's going to be so amazing. And so uh, we look for that time where the God who is our builder and maker and and you, you think about the, the, the two aspects that, that are so strong and that just keep ringing through as I look at image and I, and I think about these things is light and darkness. And you think about in the beginning, you know, you had the world and it was formless and void and there was darkness over the face of the, the deep and the, the spirit of God is there. And then God says, let there be light. The very first thing we, that's recorded in our English Bible, light, light, light. You know, and it's like, I am. And Jesus, of course, is the life of man and he is the light of man. And, you know, there's just so much in the imagery there. And it's not just imagery, it's reality. But that, that light and darkness and that separation. And I think about, you know, that water that was so dark, you know, and, uh, and so deep. And yet when light came, you know what would have happened? beautiful reflection off of that water. Because when you have light over dark water, what do you have but the beauty of God? And one of the things that, that people struggle with a lot of times is they, they look at the world around them 
and look at the lives around them. Look at look at their their homes. Look at their situations. Look at so many different things and say, if God loves me so much, <laughs> if God is a good God, why are these things happening? Uh, what was it? 9/11, where they asked Billy Graham's daughter. Was that when it was? Yeah. And and what did she say? You want to share that, John? I told them that God. We asked God to leave us alone. And and that's exactly being the gentleman he is. That's what he did. He, he walked away from us and left us to our own demise. Yeah. And the verdict that Jesus said, he says, you know, light came into the world, but the verdict is that men love darkness rather than light. And we have that option each and every step of the way. Do we walk in darkness? Do we walk in life? God says it this way, you know, I, I lay before you life and death. Choose life. <laughs> it's your choice. And, and you've got those, those two separate things. You've got the light, you've got the darkness, and you've got the reflection of glory of God. And so people are, are struggles oftentimes, and, and maybe they, they have a hard time even with that answer. They say, well, that's not enough. What about, you know, people starving in Africa? What about, you know, all these different, you know, the, the, the slavery that's going on, the, the human trafficking, the, the abuse, the neglect? The, the drugs, the, all the different things that are happening. They're, they're, they're shutting down a bunch of the burn units in uh, the Springfield area now in the hospitals because they can't keep them running because they're running out of money because there's so many meth users or the labs are burning them up and they don't have money to pay for it. The labs are treating them. It can cost as much as $2 million to treat them when they have these serious burns. Uh, I, I met an individual once that was just completely, he was actually on fire. Uh, his wife took him into the shower and they showered him off and, and the fire went out. But when it's like these phosphates and stuff that they use, he got out of the shower and he burst into flames again and uh, you know, woke up uh, in a coma, after a coma, like uh, two months later in the hospital, didn't even know what happened, but he was playing with this, I forget what they call it, like a lime bed or something that he has with the meth. I didn't study much on it, but burst into flames and his body was burned all over. He had given his heart to the Lord after that, and it was neat to talk to him, but man, the, the damage that it does, and now all these burn units are closing down, and you got all these different things. You know, the uh, Green County is like the highest in, in child abuse and neglect, and, and so many things that are happening. How many people are even living on the streets around us, uh, struggling for food and you go well what about it God where's where is your love where where is this thing but mankind had chose to walk in darkness and mankind had chose to follow the enemy instead of God and and one of the reasons that God has allowed even the darkness that is here is because it shines forth his bright all the more and you say oh man that's not a good answer I don't like that when sin abounds grace much more abounds and you know, the most wicked person, the, the, your greatest enemy, the one that's causing you the greatest grief, Jesus died for their sins. And when you can get to the point, well, that's uh, that movie that, that, that we got from you guys, that, that Grace Card, yeah, that was we watched that last night. That was really good. Yeah, they uh, cheated and watched it before. Um, they yeah, we cheated. <laughs> oh, it was really good. Really good. Yeah, yeah. very good. Well done. Um, well worth watching. Um, and, uh, and that was one of the things, you know, here you, you got a father who's, you know, well, I better not tell the whole story. Yeah. But you got someone that, that, that loses someone and then they get angry and bitter. And they, but when you can get to the point where your greatest enemy, you realize the love that God has for him and you realize that you were that enemy to God and yet he loved you and he forgave you and you can go and forgive them. That's when you're really understanding and walking in that love the Lord your God with all your heart soul, mind, and strength. Because the message is, it's easy to, easy to love those that love us. 
right. I mean, it's easy to be nice to people that are nice to us. You know, I come up and say, hey, how you doing? You know, and you're going to smile and say, how you doing back? You know? <laughs> We're driving down the road and I wave at you with maybe not all my fingers or something, and you're going to have a different reaction to me when I <laughs> you know, cut you off or something. <laughs> and, you know, and that's where we really start to understand and grow in the Lord. That's the sermon that one Sunday. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> uh, the power and glory of God. And so uh, the religious leaders had a hard time with Jesus because um, they wanted to be able to walk in the image they had of God. They wanted to believe and understand and have power because the way they were doing things, they had control of God. They knew how to, how to work it. If you prayed a certain way, God would do this. If you gave a certain way, God would do this. If you dressed a certain way, God would do this. And ultimately, they were looking at the praises of man more than God. But they thought they were controlling God. They thought they had the power. As a matter of fact, they could come and tell other people, this is what you have to do. They didn't necessarily do it, but they'd say, this is what they had to do. And would they help them? They would lift one finger to help them. As a matter of fact, Jesus' indictment of them was this. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and when you're done, he's twice the son of hell as you are. Because all they were teaching was law and not God. The law was only the teacher to lead us to God. Uh, the scripture itself is only the teacher to lead us to God. And as important and as powerful and as amazing and as essential as the Bible is, the ultimate is not that. The ultimate is God himself and having that relationship with him. Um, and it's not about religion. It's about relationship. And so here you have, you know, religious leaders. They fight against Jesus. They, they, they talk about him. And, and the thing they don't like about him is that, you know, when... Well, here, look, look at Romans chapter 2. Uh, let's do it this way. In Romans chapter 2, verse 1... I'm kind of tying together a bunch of different things. That's why it's a little bit disjointed. But uh, Therefore, you have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself. Because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere man, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you toward repentance? And of course, one of the reasons that, that God has refrained from pouring out his wrath is because, remember, we all deserve the wrath of God. We do. That's, that's what we've earned. That's what our work deserves. Because the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And his patience is for others to be saved. And you could say, you know, God, why? Why don't you come back? What's, what's happening? Why? You know, there's so much suffering going on and, and all these things. But don't you understand? There's another soul out there just as precious to him as you are. And he wants them to come to repentance too. If you want to speed his coming, share his love with others. Walk in love. Walk in forgiveness. Forgive others as he forgave you. Uh, remember the, the servant that was forgiven the huge debt by the master? And then he went to the other servant and said, you're going to pay me every penny? Oftentimes, that's the way Christians are. 
Sad to say, but it's true. In so many churches it happens. They've been forgiven by God. We've been forgiven by God. And yet so often when someone offends us, when someone does us wrong, we go, Aha! You did us wrong. I'm not going to forgive you. You better get it right. What's the matter with you? You need to repent. <laughs> when in reality, we need to forgive. And ultimately, when we forgive, it's for us. <laughs> not for them. It's for us. It is for us. And so we have to have that love. We have to have that desire to see them. And, and the, the, the thing about this section here in Romans is, he talks about how, especially the religious leaders, they would judge others, but they were guilty of the very same thing. And this is an illustration of what I've talked about before, where oftentimes you'll see uh, when a preacher ends up, you know, really focusing on a certain sin and preaching against it a lot, or, or like you saw it back in the 80s, you know, um, uh, Jim Baker falls from grace and has these things, and then you see another one stand up and start pointing fingers at him, saying, oh, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have, and the next thing you know, they fall. And it's some of the very same things they were saying you shouldn't do. This is one of the reasons why, because uh, it's, it's this reality of Scripture in that God revealing their hearts, and oftentimes the preacher that preaches so strong against the very specific sin all the time, and he sees it in someone else, it's because he's dealing with that. Now, it's not just the preachers, it's also for you. <laughs> you walk around and you look at somebody else and you always see uh, pride's one for me. Maybe it's easier for me to see pride in someone else because I've got pride in me. And then I start to look and I go, oh, there's pride. And I go, oh, wait a minute. I'm seeing <laughs> myself in them. And so what we can't do is go and judge that other person and say, oh, they're wrong. It's time when, when you, if you've got certain things that really scream out to you when you see it in somebody else's life, you really need to examine your heart because there's a pretty good chance that's the very thing that God's dealing with you in your life. And see, the enemy's way is then you exalt yourself above them and say, why are they like that? But God's way is for you to say, oh, God, but for the grace of God, save me from those things. I don't want to walk in that bondage. I want to be set free. Uh, I, I remember uh, an incident where I was uh, talking to a, a friend of mine, a, a minister of mine, a co-worker of mine, and, and there was a, a disagreement and, and uh, a conflict, so to speak. And man, I could just feel this pride in between us, you know. And I'm looking at it and I'm going, you know, and I, I knew he had pride in his life. And I knew I had some pride in my life. But really, I could sense that it was just something really almost outside of us, but right there. This bondage thing. And that's ultimately the way the enemy works. See, the enemy works from the outside. It's this covering of darkness, this uh, area in which light doesn't shine. And the beauty is, is that we have the power of the light to shine in the darkness to drive it back. The way it works is, like John was sharing with Billy Graham's daughter what she said, you know, you push God away, and then God says, okay, and kind of turns you over. And it's, it's more specifically like this. God shines out his light and his glory, and he shines down his blessing, and he's, he speaks blessings over us and all that. And we can accept it and reflect this back and praise him and, and be there and worship him. God inhabits the praises of his people, and we reflect it back, and we have that glory shining back and forth. Or we can reject it, and we place ourselves under darkness. And the more we allow darkness over us, the more we allow the darkness to cover us, the less the light is going to be there. And we start walking more and more away, well then... God's hand of protection isn't there, not so much because God removed it, but because we removed ourselves from God. 
The, the Bible says it uh, basically this way. It says, you know, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. That's one, and he will lift you up. Or draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. It's not because he doesn't love you and he's like, oh, I'm waiting for you to come to me. No, he first loved us. He first called us. He first gave his life for us while we were yet sinners. He died for us. He gave us salvation. Now we have the opportunity to draw near to him. But if we don't and we push him away, how can he draw near to us? Is he going to pursue us back into the darkness? There's no darkness in him. That's not where he dwells. That's not... His place of habitation, his place of habitation is in the praises of his people, in, on his heavenly throne, in glory. And as we glorify him, as we worship him, as we praise him, as we give thanks to him, as we do things without arguing and complaining, shine forth the glory of his word and his Christ. Walk in the body that we are, which is him. Then he draws close to us and we see more of his blessing, more of his glory, more of the light shining on us, more of the provision, more health, more victory. Praise God for that. Isn't that great? Because it's in our power. And if, you, if you're deep in darkness right now, it's okay. Because if you call out to him and turn your face to him, boom, light can shine forth. And not only on you, but in you. And you can have the glory and the reflection of God just like that. Praise God. Amen. Instantly, the deepest, darkest sinner can walk in light. Isn't that an amazing thing? They could be dead in their sins one moment and an instant later be alive in Christ and saved. There's, how many testimonies have you heard of those that were even drunk or stoned or all you know sick or whatever and they come to give the Lord the Lord instantly delivered from those things. And I know there's others that it hasn't happened instantly but it can and it should. <laughs> even healing should be instant and complete. Praise God for that. And the more and more we are able to have that faith in Him and to walk in Him and the understanding of Him and the reality of Him, the more and more each and every one of us allows His light to shine on us. It's shining. We just got to allow it to shine and reflect. You know, James said it this way. You know, it's, if, if you look in the Word and you walk away and you forget, it's like you looked in a mirror and then you forgot who you were, just like a man like that. When you look into the Word, you need to not only look in it, but allow it to change you. You know, if you need to trim up your beard and mustache, then trim it up. Sylvia tells me all the time I need to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you need to wash, wash. You know, when you look in the mirror, don't just, you know, figure it out. There's some ladies that know how to do that good. You know, they put on makeup and different things like that. And I don't preach against those things. So. <laughs> There's others that will. <laughs> Sylvia's not big on makeup, so it's, it's cool. I'm good. I don't have to spend a lot of money on it. <laughs> But we need to. It's the same way with the Word. We need to look. And we need to look at, you know, how am I dressed? How is my heart? Am I walking in Christ? Put on Christ. Put on the full armor of God. Am I walking with the breastplate of righteousness, with the hope of salvation? Do I have that shield of faith? You know, are my feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace? Am I prepared to share that gospel with others? Are my loins girt about with truth? If I'm going to reproduce something, it's going to be truth. You know? What... That'd be a lot better thing to reproduce, isn't it? When we speak, speak truth. 
Speak truth in love. <laughs> Wasn't that the challenge, John? <laughs> Not so much the truth, but in love. <laughs> Pick on John Day. <laughs> That's one of my favorite things, though. You know. <laughs> John or Lynn, those are my two favorite targets. <laughs> Praise God. Oh, and uh, But it says in verse 5, he says, Because of your stubbornness and your unrepented heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath. When his righteous judgment will be revealed, God will give to each person according to what he has done. To those with persistence in doing good, seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. And you say, well, wait a minute, what is, what is he talking about? Why are they seeking glory and, and honor and immortality? Remember, he's not saying they're looking for this glory and honor for themselves. They're looking for glory and honor for God. Um, one of the ways uh, you can look at it is, you know, storing up treasures in heaven and then like the, the, the 24 elders, when they bow down before the Lamb and they take their crowns and they throw them down before the Lamb. Can you imagine being an elder, being in heaven as a leader and a ruler? And, I mean, such an exalted position and yet still saying, oh, this is God. Kneeling down. Taking off your authority, taking off your crown, taking off that power you have and saying, it's all yours. And so as we get glory, as we get honor, as, as we are respected for who we are, as we serve God and, and His blessings are on us, it's all so we can glorify Him and say, it's all Jesus. It's all Him. Not just words, but the reality of our heart. If we have to start with just words, that's okay. <laughs> I've met people like that. Oh, it's just Jesus. Oh, it's, only, you know, it's okay. It's start with something. Uh, give it to Him. Uh, be a person of perseverance because if we're not, then we're storing up that wrath for the day of wrath. You may not experience it now, but it's coming. And, and the day we live in is such an amazing day. And I just share this just from what I can see. Uh, this is a time of the sun rising and shining in the hearts of men. This is a time of the glory of God, of the wind of His Spirit. And it's a time of great light. And it's a time of great darkness. And it's so funny because depending on who I talk to, different um, leaders, uh, prophets, different ones that, that God has placed in my life that I respect and have established ministries, some see the good that's some coming, some see the bad that's coming, but it all depends on where their ministry is and where their focus is. You see, because the ones that have been in the church and they've been working on the religious structure and, and trying to get people to repent and seeing the revival to come and seeing, you know, just a true commitment to God and stuff, they see a darkness coming because it's a time for the religious leaders to have to face up to reality. When Christ came, you know, they said that he is going to come and be the ruin of many. The glory of God is coming back. And if we are reflecting God, if we are receiving that, that presence of God, if we are glorifying Him and we are accepting the light that shines, it's an amazing time of great restoration and, and reformation and change and, and uh, 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 what do you call it? Revival <laughs> and all those things. But if we reject it, it's a time of darkness and, and pain and, and suffering and, and loss and, and uh, a time in which you could get to the very point where even as a religious person, as a leader, you could go just like they did at the time of Jesus and say, crucify him, we have no king but Caesar. We don't want what God is doing now. We would rather be plugged into the world system. We want to do it the world's way. We want to do it 
the enemy's way. We, we want to serve Babylon. Give us the mark so we can buy, sell, and trade. I don't want this stuff that God's doing. And that's the point it'll get to. You, you, you think about at the, as we face closer and closer the coming of the Lord, and, and I see it like Jesus talks about a king going on a long journey. And I see it like, okay, he's gotten to the end of his journey, and now he's turned around and he's coming back. His face is looking back at us again. <laughs> that's the way I see the time we're in. And he's returning. And so as he's returning, the glory of God gets closer and closer. The fire of his presence gets closer and closer. And it can either be a fire of purifying and health and vigor and all kinds of wonderful things or it can be a fire of destruction depending on whether we're in light <laughs> or whether we're in darkness. It's our choice. Whether we accept him for who he is, accept the body of Christ for what it is, allow the head that is there, all the leaders that he has put in place and follow and, and, and bind together and be in unity the way we're supposed to, or we reject it and we stay fragmented and we say, no, I want to be of this group. I want to be of that group. I'm not of them. You know, they, it's the same. It goes all the way back. Look at Corinthians. You know, I'm of Paul. No, I'm of Apollos. No, I'm of Peter. No, I'm of Jesus. Yeah. Every one of them fighting. I'm a Baptist. I'm Assembly of God. I'm Presbyterian. I'm church. Man, are we believers or not? <laughs> That's what matters. Are we Christians or not? That's what matters. Do we have a relationship with God or not? That's the bottom line. And if we do, then let's bind together because I'll tell you what. Clinging to just a religion or just a group or just a teaching or a philosophy or a theology is going to lead to destruction. Because it's a time to walk in the reality of God's presence. Reflect His glory and His power. And so the very thing that we may want to judge someone for, the very thing that we see in someone else, it's a reflection. See, it's all reflections all around us. But the reflection we need to do is instead of reflecting religion, is we need to reflect Christ. Now they had this basin that was made of bronze, and I think it's just amazing because the first time that mirrors are mentioned, it's when they made this bronze washing uh, container that the priests would go and they'd wash their feet and they'd wash their hands because what did Jesus say? You know, if you're clean all over, you only have to wash your feet and then you're clean. He, so he told Peter this on the, on the Last Supper. And just think about it. When the priests came, they went to where the mirrors were made into it. Bronze is a symbol of judgment. When Jesus comes for that back, his feet are going to be as bronze and fire. Flame burning. Wow. Powerful image. And of course all his enemies are going to be under his feet. Praise God. All darkness is going to be under his feet. That place of utter darkness for the enemy where no matter how dark it is, no matter how deep it is, he's going to go keep going deeper. Never ending darkness. Because his kingdom knows no end. The kingdom keeps growing bigger and bigger, further and further. It has no end. And so as God gets bigger, darkness gets deeper. And that's where the enemy is going to be. Any of you really want to be there? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Praise God, I can be in the light. <laughs> Even if I got through on the skin of my teeth, I'd rather be there. <laughs> but I would much rather have treasures that I can give to Jesus. He's done so much for me. 
How can I not have something to offer back? And so here we have this basin, and we have this washing area that the priest had in the tabernacle, and they went and washed, and they washed their feet. And when they washed, they would see the reflection in the water. If the bronze was polished, and I'm sure they kept it polished after all, this is in the tabernacle of God, you treat it properly. They would see their reflection. But it wasn't a perfect reflection because the bronze doesn't give you a perfect reflection. It's not the perfect color. Uh, it's just a partial reflection. And Jesus comes, and the religious leaders, you know, there's, there's one, he, he invites them to his house. He says, hey, come on over, Jesus. Come and have some food. And they're eating, and this woman walks in. A woman of ill repute. <laughs> a sinner comes in, and she goes to Jesus' feet as they recline at the table and she weeps over his feet and tears start to touch Jesus' feet. And her tears start to wash the dirt off of Jesus' feet. And as the tears are washing his feet, she takes her hair and she dries his feet. And the religious leader that's there, the man of authority, the man of respect, the man that is reflecting all these things and knows all about God and tells others how to follow God. And if others could be like him, oh, wouldn't that be one? If I could just be more like this leader, I would have it. People on the streets thinking, oh, if I just had what he had. He has this nice house. The master's at his house. He looks at her and he looks at Jesus and he thinks, just in his mind, he's thinking, boy, if Jesus knew what kind of woman this was. Oh, he wouldn't let her touch him. Doesn't he know she's unclean? Filthy. Full of sin. Corrupt. How could he dare? If that religious leader saw her on the street, he would walk to the other side. He wouldn't even walk past her. Wouldn't talk wouldn't look at her. If she came to walk up and ask him a question, he would turn his back on her and walk away. Because she's this wicked, evil sinner. And here's Jesus allowing her not only to touch his feet, but for her tears to go on his feet, and for her hair to dry his feet. How can this man be a man of God and allow someone so wicked, so corrupt, so evil, so perverted, so sold out in sin and darkness to touch his feet? Jesus said, you know what? You should have washed my feet. This is your house you invited me in. And it's common to wash someone else's feet. But instead of humbling yourself before me, I'm paraphrasing, <laughs> You exalted yourself, and you didn't wash my feet. But this woman not only washed my feet, but she used her tears. She brought her own water. <laughs> she didn't need a towel. She used her hair to dry my feet. And now my feet are clean. That basin that the priest washed their feet in, reflecting the glory they needed to see Jesus. Because when Jesus looked down at that woman, you know what he saw? He saw himself. Because what was he going to do on that last supper? Knowing he came from God, knowing he was returning to God, knowing that all authority and power was going to be in his hands, that all enemy were going to be put under his feet, got up, disrobed, got a basin, 
knelt down and washed his disciples' feet. Even Judas washed his feet. Satan goes into Judas, still washed his feet. Wow. And he says, you don't know what I'm doing now, but a servant is not greater than his master. Praise God, that woman, before he ever did it, was reflecting Jesus back to him. And when you reflect Jesus back to him, you know what he does? <laughs> he reaches down and picks you up and says, your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. And even better than that, there were three different women that washed his feet like that. And their names and that situation is recorded in Scripture for all eternity. We know about them. One of them's name was Mary. Even anointed him. And her name's recorded and honored in Scripture. That religious leader who's recorded in Scripture is recorded as rejected by Jesus. Oh, he came to his house and he ate. But that man did not reflect Jesus back. What did he reflect back? Man, religion, power, judgment. For by the very thing that you judge others, you're doing it. Jesus, that woman's a sinner. My friend, you're the sinner. She did the right thing. She washed my feet. You didn't. You just proclaimed judgment on yourself. I wouldn't have wanted to be the one that had Jesus there and invited him in and found out that about me. I wonder what he did. I wonder if he ever repented. Or I wonder if he was one of the ones that led the charge against Jesus. We have no king but Caesar. I invited him into my home. I gave him a meal. And he rejected me and he accepted a woman, a prostitute, a sinner, a filthy... I can't even say the words. <laughs> That's who he accepted. Crucify him. I wash my hands of the blood, Pilate said. Well, his blood be on us and on our children. Because that man is not someone I want to serve. That's not someone I want to follow. Because he accepts sinners. John the Baptist comes. He's out in the desert. And they go, oh, there's something wrong with him. Jesus comes. They say, oh, he, no, he's a friend of sinners and he's a drunkard. Man, they're never satisfied. John the Baptist, they cut off his head. Jesus, they crucify. The prostitute, they bring and say, hey, let's stone her. Here's one caught in adultery, God. If she's caught in adultery, where's the man? Here's one caught in adultery. Let's stone her. Hey, if you're without sin, you cast the first stone. Oh, man. From the oldest to the youngest, walk away. I wonder what that man did. I wonder where he was. I wonder what you're going to do. <laughs> As you walk through life, what are you going to reflect? You have an option. <laughs> and it's simple. It's not complicated. I'm not going to give you five easy steps. <laughs> or, <laughs> or start everything with a G or a P or some letter and alliterate it. Man, you know, it's the things we've been talking about. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Be thankful in all things. And you can actually reflect Jesus back. You can go down and wash his feet. Jesus kind of said it this way. He says, you know, when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. 
When I needed a ride, you gave me a ride. When, when I was hurting, you comforted me. When I, when I was sick, you, you came and visited me. When, when I was in prison, because I was doing the right thing, you came to visit me. Whatsoever you do to the least of these, my brothers, you do it unto me. You want to glorify God, be like a child. Come to Him in simplicity. Come to Him with childlike understanding and saying, Hey, wow, you're the Creator, and yet you're my Father. <laughs> wow, okay. You love me, so now I can love you. We love Him because He first loved us. <laughs> it's okay that we need to draw nigh to Him because He loved us first. He saved us first. He called us first. He, he brought us out of darkness into His glorious night, light. And now we can reflect the light of Jesus. Isn't this neat? Isn't this cool? Isn't this, is it something that can change you? <laughs> can you be a mirror reflecting God back? Can you be that basin? Can you be there to wash Jesus' feet? How do we do that? It's easy. The disciples... They really had a problem with, with understanding. You know, they're following Jesus. They're hanging out with Jesus. And they're, you know, after a while, they're going, hey, okay, he's the Christ. Okay, they're getting it. They're starting to get it. He's a great prophet. He's someone, you know, he's going to give us access to the kingdom, all these things. Okay, when are you going to bring your kingdom? And then they're like arguing amongst themselves. Okay, I'm going to be the greatest. No, wait, I'm going to be the greatest. Can you, can you hear the conversation? James and John, get their mom involved. <laughs> hey, mom, help us out here. She goes to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, let my sons, one sit on your right and one on your left. Yeah, that'd be great, Jesus. Come on, give us that position. You going to drink the cup? I'm going to drink it. Oh, yeah, cup, no problem. What's cup? Suffering, <laughs> death, wrath of God. How about, oh, well, that's a little different cup, you know. We, we want to be great in the kingdom. And Jesus says, hey, listen, guys. In this world, in the enemy system, being great is you have authority and you lord it over them. And you say, this is what you have to do. This is how you have to follow it. Uh, it's very rigid. It's very strict. It's all about rules. He says, but in the kingdom, it's not like that. As a matter of fact, in the kingdom, if you want to be great, then you need to be a servant. The less you are, the greater you are. As a matter of fact, he says, hey, if you're poor, Scripture says if you're poor, you need to rejoice that you're rich. Carry it out. If you're weak, you need to rejoice that you're strong. <laughs> if you're not all that bright, <laughs> you need to rejoice that you have intelligence. Because when we are weak, he is strong. And whatever area we're lacking in is the opportunity for God to be glorified in our lives and for us to reflect Him out. Oh, praise the Lord. Do any of you have some weaknesses? <laughs> some failings? Some areas in which you just don't shine? Praise God. He can shine in those very areas. You don't have to shy away from it. You don't have to uh, be ashamed of it. He made you that way so that He can be glorified. I, I love that song. You know, we used to sing it uh, so often in a church I went to in Springfield. Little is much when God is in it. <laughs> Praise God. Whatever area, especially the areas that you're little in, <laughs> that's some of your greatest strengths, your greatest 
treasures. The enemy wants you to think it's weakness. The enemy wants you to think it's lack. The enemy wants you to think it's where, oh my, why God, why? But the reality is, that is where your riches are. That is where his glory is. That is your opportunity to reflect Jesus. That woman had nothing but her tears. And she stored up riches in heaven and was walking away beautifully clothed by Christ. I don't know what she was wearing when she walked in there. But when she walked out, she was wearing Christ. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Put on Christ. Whatever area it is. Whatever weakness it is. Whatever uh, problem it is. Uh, whatever difficulty you're facing. Put on Christ and let the God of all comfort comfort you. Because as you go through those things... You are able to bring comfort for others. It's hard. It's hard when we suffer loss. It's hard when we're having difficulties. It's hard when we're being attacked. We look at our lives and we see things like, you know, loss of loved ones and family and friends and, uh, you know, children that have passed away, these types of things. And sometimes we just want to cry out in pain. Say, God, why? Why? And we think, man, this is weakness, this is loss, this is... But whatever the enemy intends for evil, God will, absolutely will turn it for good. All we have to do is believe the truth, and we can shine forth His glory. Praise God. Amen. That very burden you have, that you came in with today... When we leave, I want you to walk out and let it be such a glorifying time for God. And say, enemy, you don't have it anymore. I give it to God. Cast all your cares upon Him because He cares for you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I think we've covered it. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> We're good. Praise God. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for all you do for us. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your glory. I thank you for the example that Jesus came as that wonderful servant. And I know, I see Jesus so often in the garden saying, Lord, take the cup from me. <laughs> but if it's not your will, then I'll do it. <laughs> and God, there's these burdens that we've had, these things in our lives. And, and right now, Father, I just want to say, hey, <laughs> it's okay. We drank of that cup, and we just put it back in your hands. And just like Jesus on the cross, we're going to be saying, hey, it's finished. <laughs> this ain't going to be victory for the enemy more, anymore. And Father, into your hands we commit our spirits. We commit our souls. We commit our flesh. We commit our lives to you, Father, to glorify you. To shine forth you. To be an image of you. To reflect your glory around us. And God, right now, today, throughout this week, throughout our lives, Father, the areas that we had the greatest bondage in, the greatest pain in, the greatest hurt in, the greatest uh, destruction in, death in, that Father, throughout now... <laughs> Let this be a place of glory for you. Let this be a place in which you are able to shine. Let this be an opportunity for us to confess you and to be thankful to you. And Father, the very thing that we may have complained about last week, this week, give us an opportunity to give thanks to you, to someone else. And as they see us giving you thanks, even for pain that we went through, that they will see your glory, that they will turn 
from the darkness and walk in your glorious light. Thank you, Father, that we have that opportunity and we just praise you. We ask that you bless the food today and the fellowship and all the things that are yet to come because we've only just begun. In Jesus' name, amen.